It's real fun to dive into. First Corinthians again, coming off of Christmas in the Taboo series. I think Pastor Rick did a great job of kind of getting us back into this early church that Paul planted. He's mentioned it before, and I think it's true. Sometimes you hear that mantra in churches. They don't want to get back to the way, you know, like what they did in the early church. Be careful what you wish for. Because the early church was a rank dumpster fire. So, I mean, it was crazy. We're going to get into stuff. You're going to, oh my gosh, was that really a part of the church? And not only what that does for you, I actually find that comforting. I love God's word. God spoke to us, and one of the things I love about it, look, is God is writing this like beautiful story of redemption throughout all time. He uses messy, broken churches and messy, broken people. God's word, when you turn to it, it's honest, it's real, it's gritty, and I can relate to that. It's one of the reasons I can't stand Hallmark movies. If you like them, agree to disagree. They're horrible. It's the same reason I don't really like Christian movies. See, I love movies. I love Christ. Christian movies, Because eh. by and large, most of them, they feel like there's this kind of glossy, safe, pretend life is all put together. And when I watch them, that's not my life. It's like one big Full House episode. I remember like watching Full House and like 22 minutes every episode ends up like, oh, I'm sorry, can we hug? That's not my life. Little Bob Saget shout out, because that was a lot of my childhood. Right? So I love when we turn to God's word, it's real. It's full of God and his redemptive story using messy people. And I wonder maybe I can play my part in that. That's what Paul's trying to do for this church. Is another group is trying to lead them astray. He's trying to get them to play their part for them. Let's kind of pick it up here. We're in chapter 4 where Paul is just tugging for the hearts and minds of these people, protecting them from going down bad roads. So we are in chapter 4. We're going to pick it up in verse 8. So please follow along as I read. Already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. Without us you have become kings. And would that you did reign so that we might share the rule with you. For I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death. Because we have become a spectacle spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we in disrepute. To the present hour, we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless, and we labor, working with our own hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. 
That is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. Some are arrogant as though I were not coming to you. But I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills, and I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love and a spirit of gentleness? So Paul, the spiritual father, he's warning, he's cautioning, he's admonishing this church. You can't miss it. And I love this passage for a couple of reasons, primarily because sarcasm is my mother tongue. It's my love language. It's my heart language. And I don't know if you heard it. Paul is laying it on thick. You know, Paul is giving them this clap. You know, I used to, in college, I love slow claps where they build. And it was like this powerful. That's not the clap he's giving here. Paul's like, wow, look at you guys. You're a big deal. I'm a, wow, you guys are, you guys are really getting after it. I wonder maybe I could jump in on that train too. You feel it? It's thick, right? Like you guys, I mean, he's comparing them. You guys are so strong and we're weak. You know, like you guys are smart. I am not. You guys are attractive. I'm not very good looking. Like, I mean, he is laying it on. I mean, he gets out of hand. He says, look, while you guys are kings, we are the scum of the earth. Us lowly apostles, we are the refuse That word, it's just garbage. We are trash. The way you see yourself, you guys are kings. The way apostles, the way I see myself, the same way Forky sees himself. You seen Toy Story? Trash? Trash, right? I apologize. My kids are almost into like quoting Descendants and High School Musical, but I'm still in the Pixar phase. Just ride it out. But don't act like you haven't seen Toy Story 4, right? And that's Forky sees himself is trash. He's like, wow, you guys are big kings. You're a big deal. I see myself as trash, the scum of the earth. Now, I don't think my sarcasm is usually sinful. Like, you can almost hear the spirit check him up in the middle of it, right? Like, right when he's laying it on thick, like, we're scum. I was going to name that the title of this sermon, How to Be Trash. You're the scum of the earth. Like, right when he's getting there, do you know, like, Paul dictated his letters, and then a scribe would write it down. Like, you could almost see it. And he's like, dang, like, you're the scum of the earth. Like, hey, Paul, you want to take five? Like, maybe go get a little manna, dip that in honey, we could start again. Like, he's like, no, I'm good. It's in the middle of it. Did you feel the tone change? Like, okay, no, I'm good, I'm good. He says, look, I'm not trying to shame you. I'm not trying to beat you up, but you got to see this way that you're going down is not Christ's way. So that's, did you know that actually Christians, before it was just an easy label to say, I'm a Christian, you know they were called Christians first? People of the way. I dig that. It's not just a, a title I claim. It was a way of life. And this, his spiritual children are starting to go down the way of the world. And Paul is saying, I sent you Timothy to remind you of my way, the way of an apostle as I imitate Christ. So that's kind of what's happening here. Where I want to go is Paul is pleading with them to go the way of the apostle 
and not the way of these folks. <coughs> the way of the arrogant. So that's our big choice. Are we going to go the way of the world and the way of arrogance or the way of Christ? And I want you to see these aren't like two paths and Christians are supposed to be just a little bit nicer than the world. Paul's clear. The way of the world is opposite to the way of Christ. And that's where you saw those contradictions, right? Weak, strong, wise, foolish. They're not the same. You need to pick. You go in the way of the world, which is the way of arrogance, or the way of the apostle. I want to dive into that and talk about arrogance. Because some of it, I think, you know, probably a lot of it's like, well, I'm not arrogant. Yes, you are. Give me a minute. I want to... I want you to treat this like, you know, a high school dance at a Christian school. Let's leave room for the Holy Spirit, all right? Let's, let's leave him a little room before you, oh, that's not me. I'm not arrogant. I think because when you look at biblically, we all are. Because I want you to understand this. I recently got an uh, escrow, escrow analysis statement. Don't you love those? Love that letter like, hey, you're not giving us enough taxes. Want to pay more? How about no? They didn't ask. So I just got a statement now, have you ever got this? You go on a home, like, oh, that we adjusted your taxes. You owe a little bit more tax money. And here, they're nice enough, at least, to give me two options. And then there's different ways you can do it. Because you can, so the taxes, you can just add it to your payment, and your payment will go up a little bit. Or option two, you could pay it off in full. Right, so Paul is kind of presenting these two options. But I want you to be dead clear on this. Is it, what do you got to do between, like, what do you got to do to become arrogant, to walk the way of the world? When it lays out these two options, so it kind of after it breaks down the finances, you know, it says there, what do you need to do for option number one? It's in bold. The answer is nothing. So option number one, for this to happen, you don't need to do anything. It is the default. And you need to be intentional if you want to partake in option number two. Hear me clearly. The way of the world, the way of arrogance, is our default. If you don't beg God to take that from you and make you new, it is a default. It will happen. Automatically, you don't need to do anything. So unless God has met you on that journey... I promise you that's the option. That's the way we are walking down. The reformers had a great phrase. It was in Latin. It was incurvatsense. If you speak Latin and I didn't pronounce that right, keep it to yourself. It's a dead language. Nobody cares. What matters is what it meant. So all of us, infected by sin in this fallen world, what happens? It means we are all bent in on self. This is the posture all of us inherit. Until God heals you and changes your spine, that's where we go. God created us to be about him and to be about others. And then sin entered this world and all of us bent in on self. The way of the world, the way of arrogance is true of all of us. To be arrogant means I'm all about me. And again, you may, maybe you don't kind of jive with kind of the brash form of arrogance. But I want you to be very clear. This is where I think it's all of us. Maybe you're not the puff yourself up, as he says in Corinthians, kind of arrogant. But self-pity and pride are two sides of the same arrogant coin. 
I need you to understand that. Self-pity and pride, two sides of the same arrogant coin. Because what do they have in common? They're both all about me. You have all you want. You are kings. It's all about me. See, this fallen world, when we're looking at God, right, his story, and all the chaos and moving parts, and in all the swirling, all of a sudden, we got this idea that I'm the middle of this business, and all this revolves around me. It's crazy, but that is true of all of us. We think this God's grand story, we're the lead, and it's about us. I can prove this to you because this was like a light bulb moment for me. We were doing this sermon on doubt a little bit ago. How we doubt God. And I started with kind of one of the reasons we doubt God is we look at all the evil in the world. The classic problem of evil. How can there be evil in a loving God who's powerful? I don't think we wrestle that there could be a God. We wrestle with the fact that I don't get to be him. I think that's the real problem. I can prove it to you. Look, Have you ever met, let me ask you, have you or anyone you ever know had a breakdown because of the atrocities in the world? Because of the Holocaust in Rwanda, you just weren't able to function, you went into a place of depression or someone you know. Maybe that exists. I've never met that person. It's hard. It's hard to deal with those evils, but I've been able to stomach it and move on. All right, let me ask you this. Have you or someone you ever known, gone into a depression or had a, you know, maybe a breakdown or whatever because somebody broke up with you. You didn't get the job that you wanted. Somebody said something harsh to you. Think about that. Why is it that us as humans can greater stomach the slaughter of infants than somebody not liking me? because we are egomaniacs that think the world revolves around us. (laughs) Welcome to the message. We are trash, right? Like, it's true. We're all bent in on self. We think the world revolves around us, and we got to get over this fact, and he's pleading with them, look, it's not all about you, and admonishing them, we got to get over ourselves. Because what happens... When we start to live like this whole thing revolves around us, what does it result in? And you see it in Corinth, apathy and applause-driven lives. Right? What does he say? Already you have all you desire. So when I think it's about me, I live for my desires. I'm apathetic towards other people, and I can get lazy and selfish because this is all about me. When Paul, even that contrast, you know, when we're persecuted, we bless that's if it's all about him. But when it's all about me, if I'm persecuted, I, get my, I stand my ground. I pay somebody back. When I confuse that it's all about me because I get apathetic. I get unconcerned with this world because my major concern is the center of the universe, me. Right? And we live for our own comforts. And since we think we're this big deal, what happens We look for the applause of man. Did you catch that? And Paul's kind of irony, right? It's not necessarily just who they are. Their concern is how they're seen. He's like, you are honored. Us apostles are in disrepute. You almost hear the word reputation, right? 
Paul's saying, I don't care about my reputation. And you guys are so concerned with being a big deal and being respected in this world. And so we get arrogant and we puff ourselves up because we need applause. I don't feel okay, so I need people to recognize it to fill me. I had a great interview of Joe Burrow, and we don't get to quote the Bengals that often, so just run with it, right? He did a great video. We're like, what advice would you give? And he was like, look, stop posting about your workouts. Just work out. Right? I mean, how much of our lives we don't do good, we do good so we can post about doing good so people can like us. Let's not fool ourselves about the intoxicating nature when, you, when that little like pings through. There's studies. It's a little shot of dopamine in your brain, and we're desperate for that. Maybe you're not addicted to substances, but we're addicted to the applause of man. We desperately need it when we think the world is all about us. We are seeking that applause and need to be liked. Paul's pleading with them not to go down that road of just looking for the applause of man. And we all know it. Like we're, I mean, I love that way people swear. And I'm one of them times like, I don't care about what people think. Okay, do you care you're a liar? Because we all care. Now maybe you might not care about certain people or others, but we care and we're driven by it. And so he's begging us to stop looking for that. Because again, you and I both know that craving, how it feels when we're recognized, but we also know how empty it is. It doesn't fully fill. The ultimate result of arrogance is it's all talk. It's emptiness. I'm going to have that power line at the end. I'm coming. And we're going to find out who's all talk. The kingdom doesn't exist in talk. It exists in power. But when we're all about me, look, we lack the gravity for things to rotate around us. We lack the glory. We lack the chops for this story of redemption God is writing to be the main character. So we know that, so we just try to puff ourselves up and we try to build ourselves up, but it's ultimately all talk and we're eventually going to get exposed. So that is the way of the world. That is the road all of us start, start on and will be on apart from God making us new. So Paul is admonishing them Stop pretending that this whole thing is about you. Get over yourself and imitate me. So stop the arrogance. So you want to be arrogant or apostolic? That's the other path. It could be all about me or all about him. Look at Paul's life. Paul's like, I'm homeless. I'm poorly dressed. I barely have a shirt on my back and I don't care. People are beating us up and I'm not trying to pay them back. Why? Because it's not about me. And his whole life is not about being pleased. Not about his desires. It's all about his desires. Paul's life, he's not chasing people to follow him. He's making sure people follow him. He had zero concern about how his life was playing out and his desires. He said, they don't matter. The only thing that matters is him. And so Paul lived a life humble and hungry. Is your life apathetic towards others and chasing the applause of others? Or would you describe your life as humble, unconcerned about how your life is playing out, and hungry 
for people to know him. I love Paul's picture of humility that he presents. He said one sentence to death, a spectacle to the world. Almost everybody, kind of the commentators that study it, said this is probably what he's referencing. This is a scene from Gladiator, if you've seen it. I grabbed the still shot of this. It's not a big deal. I Googled it, but, you know, it's not about me. Who cares? <laughs> it took a while, actually. But I grabbed a screenshot. This is from Gladiator and Commodus, the emperor is coming back. This is a common practice in these times. If you go to Rome now and look on the arches and their architecture, you'll see pictures commemorating this. So when a victorious general, when an emperor went out to battle and experienced victory in battle, they would come back like this to a massive parade. So right out front, that front chariot would be the emperor, the victor, you know, the general. And he's out front for the parade, right? Doing that goofy parade wave. I don't know why we settled on this, but. So that was what he was tapping into. You know, he had this parade, the general. And then they would have in the parade kind of all their spoils, and then after that, the Shriner cars, the dude in the little red cars, like, zip, 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 you've been a parade. Those came later. They weren't there. But what did happen is at the end of the parade, you know what's at the end? All the slaves. So all the soldiers that weren't killed, all the captors would be ushered down this road up to the Colosseum and fed to the lions. Where are you at in the parade of life, Right? Are you climbing that ladder? Are you climbing to the front of the parade so more people can cheer? Paul says, while the world is racing to the front, I'm racing in the back. I'm a slave. I'm a soldier that's about to be killed, and I don't care. Because it's not about me. This isn't my parade. Paul was clear who sits in the chariot. That's Christ. This parade isn't about me, and he didn't care And so while the world's racing to the top, Paul races to the bottom and lives a life of humility. And when you're humble, you're hungry. Paul was humble. This isn't about me, so I'll do anything. The Corinthians, they were above certain things. He said, I work with my hands. I'll do whatever. I'll be a garbage man. I am garbage. I don't care because it wasn't about him. Corinthians, they were above certain things because they've arrived. They've achieved things. But when you're at the bottom, there's nothing you won't do. I think most of us, you know, can travel this journey or known somebody that's traveled this journey, right? Most of us start humble, and then when you maybe go to some Bible studies and get on a mission trip or, you know, you get a raise and you're a Division I manager and you have a nice car, then we get arrogant, then we get apathetic, and what happens? I had a buddy kind of travel this journey. Maybe you know him. It's Rocky Balboa, right? Think of Rocky in one and two and then half of three, right? He's hungry. Think of Rocky in those things and what happens, and then it kind of flips in three. See, Rocky, when he was humble, when he was nothing but a bum, right? He was just a bum. Well, he was drinking raw eggs in the first couple films, and he's just punching cadavers. Like, he don't care because he's humble, and he wants it. My son right now loves Eye of the Tiger, the song. And so every time we get in the car, he's like, Eye of the Tiger, Dad. And I'm like, dun, 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 dun. Like, I love it. And we just get all amped up together. Like, that's the theme. That's one of those major themes of Rocky, right? And what happens? Rocky's got the Eye of the Tiger. 
He's slamming raw eggs. He's running. And then he gets somewhere. Now he's the champ. And what happens, he gets soft. And that's a big part, right, of the movie. You've got to get that eye of the tiger. Stop thinking you're somebody and get so full of yourself that you kind of get lazy and pull back. And think about even us as a church, how churches can fall into this place. You know, back in the day when we were at the block, we're all setting up chairs, coming early, and all of a sudden, man, look at this. Isn't this nice? Man, it's a big room, isn't it? This is nice furniture. They better have my donuts that I want. And all of a sudden, that's what happens. Now, I think about your life. Remember when you were humble and you couldn't believe God saved you and you just would do anything to serve him, to get to know him? I remember, uh, you know, men's Bible study yesterday. We were all sitting in a circle. Mark was mentioning some, some of the old timers in AA and encouraging, you know, you know when you, you want to get, get right, I want you to get up 45 minutes early, 45 minutes before you need to be up and pray. He said, well, but i got to be up early. I didn't ask you what time you need to be up. I told you to get up 45 minutes before that. And if you want this, and if you're hungry and humble for this, you'll do it. Think about what you used to do as a young believer. And now, oh, come on. Do I really need to do that? Yes. Paul says, I can boast more than anybody. But he still was so clear it was about him and there's nothing he wouldn't do. And when you're humble and hungry, you see heavenly power move. It's not talk, it's power. Think about our churches and our witnesses. And the witness of our church. The world laughs because how much of our churches we are all talk. We talk a big game, make ourselves sound like a big deal, but how easily we can be hollow. Now when you're humble... And you do anything to serve him, Paul, so not talk, but power. Imagine if our churches had this posture, the way of the apostle of Christ, and saw God moving. The world would notice. God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. We love that verse. And lo, I'll be with you to the ends of the earth. Doesn't that sound, make you feel warm, doesn't it? What's the context of that? Mission, go and make disciples. As we're serving him, as we're hungry and humble, we see God move. And I want to be about that. So here Paul is, presenting these two options that aren't close to each other. Stop with the way of the world where you really think this is all about you and we get entitled and we get inward focused. Paul says, remember this grand story is about him. Be humble, hungry, have that fire to see God move and do whatever it takes. So how do we, I want to end up with a little bit of practical application. How do we make sure we're on the way of the apostle in Christ and not the way of arrogance where it's all about me? First, I want you to know your end. I want you to know how this thing plays out. He's talking about boasting, right? And this picture in verse two verses before is about being puffed up, right? And that's what we do. We puff ourselves up. Oh, look at me. Look at my nest egg. Look at my muscles, whatever. We do whatever to make ourselves look big. But Paul's like, hey, I want you to know how this thing plays out. 
You remember that when he was saying, hey, those arrogant, puffed up folks, let them know I'm coming. And I'm either going to come with a rod or with a spirit of gentleness. And I just love the good old days when a pastor could just use a rod on his people, just beat them with a switch. It's a metaphor. We're almost done with the sermon. Hang on. He doesn't really whip them with a rod. But here's the point. Look, your life plays out in two ways. You humble yourself or God humbles you. You're going to end up humbled. So you say that with your kids, like this is going to play out two ways. We can do it the easy way or the hard way. It's your call. We can do either. But why don't we do it the easy way, right? Why don't we stop pretending we're this big deal? John says, look, I must decrease so that you must increase and stop pretending this is all about me because Paul's like, look, you can keep puffing yourself up, but like I'm, I'm coming. Like it's empty. You're not ultimately that big of a deal. So either humble yourself or let God humble you. And I do want you to know your role models. Right, he says, I sent you Timothy to remind you of my way. And he's saying, remember, imitate me. We're talking about who do you want to be? Do you want to be like Christ or the world? Well, guess what? Who do you want to be is really tied into who do you want to be like? If you're anywhere close to my age, there's only one person we all wanted to be like. Gatorade commercials settled this all for us. If you don't know what I'm talking about, his name rhymes with like. He's the greatest basketball player of all time. LeBron doesn't rhyme with like, to be clear. Right? And I remember I watched the old commercial again. Sometimes I dream that he is me. I think it was like a power sack solo in the Gatorade commercial. But the mantra, right? I want to be like Mike. We all want to be like Mike. He was the man. He was the goat. And then documentaries came out. Right? The last dance was so good. This was our idol. And then we watch, and you peel back the curtain, and everybody's like, nobody liked him. He was a jerk. He was, we used a lot of A words. He was an A word, but I can't say from the pulpit, right? <laughs> and they all, and all his teammates said it. We're all looking up. We want to be like Bezos. We want to be like Musk. And then we peel back the curtain. All these guys are so full of themselves, and that's what we're all striving for. What do you think happens? How do you think that plays out? We all want to be like Lance Armstrong. Everybody had one of those stupid yellow bracelets. Then we watch his documentary. This dude's the worst. He would crush anybody, step on anybody if they got in his way, just like Mike. And that's who we're all trying to be like. Who do you listen to? Who do you watch? Who do you be around? Oh, these big, powerful people that are all about themselves. What do you think is going to happen? Why don't you get around some humble folks? Why don't you listen to some podcasts of humble people that live sacrificial lives? Why don't you get in a small group around people trying to figure this out? If you keep trying to imitate arrogant people, you end up. So know who you're looking up to. But lastly, and I think most importantly, you got to know your place. He says, look, you are kings or trash. You want to be Woody? I'm cool with being Forky, right? You're chasing the front of the parade. You want to sit in the big chariot and everybody cheer you. 
I'm fine with being the slave in the back. Do you appropriately have it in your mind that God's grand story is about him and it's not about us and the sooner we get over ourselves, the better. We live in a world, we don't like that. I want the world to revolve around me, but the truth is it's about him. I don't like how the truth feels. And we live in an age, we change the truth instead of change how we feel. Come on. Let's wrap our heads around. Here's the beautiful thing. This wonderful story of redemption, of God's love for us and his forgiveness. He says, look, I want you to be a part of that. God wants to use messy people like us for that journey. I want to be like Isaiah. He says, I'm an unclean man amongst an unclean people. And when God cleanses him, he says, here I am, God. Send me. And you say, where, Isaiah? He says, I don't care. I just want to go. See this great story of redemption? The Father's the producer. Jesus is the main role. And the Holy Spirit's the director. The part we play, who cares? God wants to use me and you. So when God says, hey, do you want to play a part in my movie? I say, yes. I'll be dead body 37. I'll be the dude in Titanic. Boom, and it smacks off the side of the boat. I don't care. I just want to be used by you. And stop pretending that this movie is about us. God says, look, I'm writing a beautiful story. You want to play a part? Would we be humble and say, here I am, send me. Will you bow your heads and pray? Father, forgive us when we try to sit in your seat, when we fool ourselves to believing that this world revolves around us. We think the grand story is about us. Father, would your spirit humble us, convict us, that we would repent and put you back on your rightful throne as the center of our lives. That we would be humble and hungry and open to being used by you. Here we are, Lord. Send us. In Jesus' name, amen.